Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one. So you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is... Red color, red color, where are you? <sighs> all blocked, thanks to advanced security. Included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are not financial advisors. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guest is not formal advice or a recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Welcome in, everyone. This is the Fundamental Analysis Show, our Sunday episode where we do 20 minutes on a single stock. Today, we're talking Autodesk, a leader in the AEC market. And if you don't know what that is, Ryan's going to explain what they do and the history of the stock and the company. I think we need to start with more uh, small talk on these shows. Um, Even this one, even though we've been small talking all day? You never ask how I am. (laughs) You are? Well... How are you, Ryan? I'm doing all right, but let's get to the show. Autodesk. <laughs> okay, now you is, get right to the show. Autodesk is a global leader in 3D design, engineering, and entertainment software and services. So their software allows customers to design, visualize, and simulate the real-world performance of their designs. So if I'll just give the real-world application. So an obvious example, I'm running an architecture firm, and our job is to build a school. I would subscribe to Autodesk, get access to their software, um, so that I could use AutoCAD, I believe, in this example, to design and visualize what I want that school to look like. That is essentially what Autodesk is providing, and they're doing it on a subscription basis. I know they still have a portion of their revenue that isn't subscription, but uh, it's a very small portion. Yeah, sorry. I, I have a uh, my degree was in engineering, so I kind of know how the market works where it starts with architects and then it flows to the engineers and then eventually it'll flow to the construction managers and the actual construction sites. So Autodesk works with all three of these so everyone can work in tandem um, sending documents back and forth because that's one of the hardest things is the workflow within these projects because it might work from architecture firm to engineering firm to another middleman to another middleman to another middleman and then right. finally to the construction project. Okay, and then I'll get into the history. In the 1970s, a guy named Mike Riddle built and developed the first CAD program or computer-aided design, and that eventually got spun into AutoCAD and was sold to Auto or was sold as Autodesk's first product. But Riddle was really just a coder. He wasn't interested in being a salesman. So a guy named John Walker had heard about this CAD, this CAD program that Riddle uh, had built, and so he approached him. He offered him eight thousand dollars to acquire it. Only eight thousand. Wow. But Riddle. Riddle was like, no, I want 15000 and they couldn't agree on one. So he said, I'll tell you what, I'll sell it to you for a dollar, but I get 10% of the profits from all the sales. John Walker agreed. Uh, he went back up. To, I think he was in the Valley. So I think he went back up uh, to Silicon Valley, built together a team of coders to sort of enhance the product, a team of salesmen. They started selling and uh, Riddle ended up making a whole lot yeah, more good money. Good choice, good choice than by him. Eight thousand yeah. um, dollars, and they completed their IPO in 1985. Since then, Autodesk has constantly upgraded and built out their entire product suite. Um, as far as where they get revenue from, 
most of it, 43, 43.5% of it comes from architecture, engineering, and construction. Uh, around 30% comes from AutoCAD, and then 20% is manufacturing, and then a little bit, 5.8% is media and entertainment. Yep, that about sums it up. I'll get into the valuation then, and then the balance sheet numbers. So their enterprise value as of our recording is $51.8 billion, ticker is ADSK, and the stock price $233.88. EV to sales is 14.6, uh, which is high. Um, at least it's not above 20. In this software environment, it seems a little low, but in, in an absolute basis, it's still high. Um, they are profitable, which... You know, that's good, I guess. EV to free cash flow, 54.6 on a trailing 12-month basis. Again, quite high, so you're pricing in a lot of growth there. Uh, No dividend. They spend money on buybacks only to offset stock-based compensation, so you're not going to get any share reduction. It's kind of they're hoping for, or at least what they say in their conference calls, is that they're going to have just a steady share count, and it's not going to get inflated or diluted over time. Uh, forward EV to EBITDA, 37.3 versus a trailing EV to EBITDA, a 70.1. So, you know, the estimates are that they're going to increase their margins or grow so much that that EV to EBITDA level is going to come down in the next year. Um, they have negative $400 million in working capital, but this is a kind of an interesting situation with Autodesk since they signed multi-year contracts and they have all these subscription products under the new accounting terms. They have to have over $2 billion in deferred revenue, and that is a as of the last quarter and that has to be put down as a liability even if the cash has already come in until they perform the life of that contract and they perform the service for their customers so that's going to be up and it seems like the liabilities are higher but in reality it's not that big of a liability of them having to repay that money although it if you are paying It limits how much you can do in price raises or how effective a price raise would be because if you've had all those contracts paid for up front, a price raise might not be as effective because it would have to be only new contracts. So you do kind of want to keep an eye on that number. It hurts you. Yeah, it could hurt you if you're trying to raise prices because it's not going to take into effect for a long time if the contract cycle is so long. Right. Um, You have anything else? Yeah, I guess on the balance sheet, they have $1.6 billion in long-term bonds right now. They like to use these, and they've said they want to take advantage of low interest rates, which, I mean, I don't really have an opinion on that. You can kind of take that with what you will. $2.5 billion in goodwill. Currently, that is a high number, and you might expect that for a company like this, but just you always got to investigate that stuff um, because there's a history, right, Ryan, of people hiding um, stuff in Goodwill when they want to try to trick uh, customers. We're not saying that yeah. Autodesk is trying to trick investors, but that's what, you know, and not all Goodwill is just a zero. But and it's, yeah, yeah, you know I mean? there's there are a lot of fund manager, a lot of fund managers that are running a short book pay attention to the Goodwill number because some of the legacy companies can sort of prop up their revenue by right. acquiring new companies above their net asset value. And so you, you want to pay attention you want to sort of separate out organic revenue from what else uh, came from acquired businesses. And yeah. typically, you don't want to see people way overpaying for the businesses they have. A little different. There's a little nuance to it when you have a software business where a lot of the value of those assets is intangible. So mm-hmm. it's a little hard to tell. Yeah, with a low intangible assets aren't very high for this business. So it's a lot of intangibles. And that's stuff that you can't really you know physically see. So it's just you got to assume that this stuff's worth it. And it's like 
brand name like how mm-hmm. valuable is that and it, there's a lot of subjectivity to pricing that stuff yeah. um all right i'll get into the earnings though in the second quarter autodesk had 913 million in revenue that was up 15 percent year over year their gap operating income was 146 million up 97 percent year over year and that's a operating margin of around 16 percent i believe the year before it was nine percent so great increase there mm-hmm. and then 129 million in earnings before interest and taxes for the second quarter that was up 94 percent as well so that profitability the margins are growing impressively they're almost doubling year over year and then they have 91 percent gross margins that's high that's that's i mean when you see nine 90 plus percent gross margins i mean you kind of it's it's an impressive business if yes if you believe that the margin conversion can be really high here from from if you ever believe the operating margins are going to be able to get closer and closer to those gross margins that that's sort of what you're looking for here because if you can find that that is true and that will happen then this is going to be a good business for a long time um stock-based compensation expense increased 19 percent. i thought that was a little uh concerning goodwill accounted for 43 percent of total assets 80% of current liabilities, like you mentioned here, comes from deferred revenue, which is just customers prepaying for their subscriptions, and that's about it for my earnings. All right, well, we're going to hit the second half of the show then, hit the ad break, uh, probably just going to be one, and then back for further reading and our highlights and lowlights. All right, welcome back. Uh, We do digging trenches here for the competitive advantage um, compared to the deep dive. It's a little different. Keep it shorter. Uh, What's your rating for them, zero through three? It's three, probably. I think a lot, and you would probably know better because you have been a customer for this. Yeah, a student customer mainly, but yes. Right, and so it seems like this is pretty ingrained in those industries like architecture, engineering, and construction. Um, I guess Dassault Systems would be their biggest competitor, but that's a yeah, little more they niche, don't, right? The yeah, Dassault is more, and I, I guess this might just be from personal experience, but I think they do focus more on like aerospace and mechanical. Although Autodesk has said that they've won some contracts for aerospace, but Autodesk itself focuses on architects, civil engineers, and construction management, which is a big market within itself. But it's just different products. You, you need different things with the, with those different engineering backgrounds. So, yeah, they compete with Dassault. They compete with Procore, which is a smaller company we like a little bit. And they compete with Adobe a little bit. But those don't – I mean, they don't overlap too much. Yeah, I'm curious if maybe there could be some sort of disruption from the – like the gaming engines potentially. Maybe, maybe but – I, they're, it feels they're partnering more like, with each other, though, yeah. remember? So it's like they, they would want to work together because Unity maybe could do, like, back-end stuff with Autodesk, but Autodesk has that expertise in all that technological development they've built up over decades um, that, that's really built AutoCAD and all their other products, like Red and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, architects, engineers, they're usually not also developers. I mean, there are probably cases where they are, but a lot of them like a simpler tool to use, and they don't have to write their own code like they might mm-hmm. with a gaming engine. Yep, um, yep. Okay, further reading, what are you looking for? Okay, uh, I know that they're big in the AEC industry, but that's a broad market, and it's architects, engineering, and construction, which there's just thousands and thousands of workers, millions worldwide. Uh, I want to know what specific parts of the AEC industry actually like or dislike Autodesk. So it seems like they are big with civil engineering. They got a nice base there, no complaints. And they're investing a lot of capital into the construction industry. 
But they mentioned that architects have been complaining that they haven't revamped their products and they're trying to do that. So I want to know, like, are they waiting for people to complain? Are they trying to be proactive and move into new markets? Stuff like that. Mm. And also, they have a big product that we're not going to mention on this show that people probably need to look into. It's called Fusion 360, and I think it's kind of their bundle subscription product, but I'm not mm. sure, and that's something you definitely need to look into before buying the stock. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm going to look at where the rest of the goodwill is coming from. I, I guess this was more just a lapse on my part because I didn't see – I didn't dig into the older 10Ks, but they have acquired, I think since 2017, they've acquired three businesses, Assemble Systems, Plan Grid, and Building Connected. Um, and the goodwill from all those transactions amounts to $1.1 billion, and that's less than half of their total goodwill. So mm-hmm. I'm curious what they paid up for prior to these acquisitions. Um, because there's 50% of goodwill sitting out there somewhere. So that's something I definitely want to pay attention to. And the risk for that as investors is that goodwill, if the asset isn't performing, it will need to be written down during the audit or whatever they have to do, their earnings and stuff like that. So that's just a risk. If you have a write down of the assets, um, you know, your, your equity is going, it's not worth as much. Yeah. All right. Uh, Future growth opportunities. You want me to go first or you? You can go first because we'll just flip back and forth. Okay. My growth opportunity is pricing power, and that's basically a perpetual growth opportunity because it's always there. Um, They clearly have it. Something that we always like to see is when the software is embedded in the university system, which means – For technical stuff. Right. Yeah. So, which means firms tend to keep using, like the firm level, if we're talking about professional, not university, they tend to keep using Autodesk because their incoming employees are recent graduates who have gotten acclimated to this software. And then the universities continue to subscribe because the mm-hmm. firms expect them to be acclimated to that software. And so they've basically got a moat in there where, oh, yeah. and universities take forever to switch anything. Oh, I, I went through that process. It, those are not switching anytime soon. It's... I mean, it's a lock-in that it would be extremely hard to change, and it would take a decade or so for them to reverse this mode if someone poured in a ton of capital just to destroy auto. Like if they just yeah. had beef with Autodesk or something. And it's, it's not even like you're talking about engineering, architecture, yeah. construction management. Those uh, those fields all use it, and then interior design uses autocad Um, manufacturing as well manufacturing is a subset of engineering but it's large and they have specific products for that that they teach for those specific um engineering degrees there's there's a lot of fields that are taught in the university system that are forced to use autodesk yeah autodesk products and their competitors like uh desalt and um ansys i think is another one but still autodesk is the biggest player Uh, i'll get into my future growth opportunity they acquired a company called pipe P-Y-P-E. This is supposed to help with their push into the construction cloud offerings. Um, it's like management, things like that. Um, if you ever heard of Procore, they're kind of going to that direction. But Ryan is been kind of an expert on Procore. He's telling me it's not exactly the same. If that's, uh, I was paying more attention to the plan grid. Okay, okay. Um, if we just people have made the comparison or the uh, they they've said that Procore and Autodesk are directly competitors. Autodesk. Is primarily catered to the building and the designing, and mm-hmm. then as they they have workflow as sort of a secondary part of their business. But they're trying to expand. Procore is straight workflow, and it's mostly just for the construction business. You take a picture of something that's going on in the worksite, send it back to the office. 
Um, and but yeah, the uh, Autodesk apparently with their recent acquisitions is trying to make a jump to that space as well. Yeah, maybe they acquire Procore. That wouldn't be. I would not be opposed to that. Using that uh, nice sales ratio, nice valuation multiple to do that. All right, let me just. If you're confused on what this is, this is what Pipe said in their press release. Um, just so you know what the product actually does. So Pipe is to provide solutions that automate manual construction workflows for increased productivity and reduced risk, and we are proud to join our powerful set of solutions with Autodesk, blah, 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 blah. So they're combining that with Autodesk. Um, and right. so that could be a nice add-on uh, to boost that, boost that pricing power with the subscriptions. Yeah, I mean, just think about if you're trying to understand where this applies in the real world, imagine that there's people on the site and then there's imagine mm-hmm. there's people in the office and you're sharing files. Yeah. The best way to do that is through cloud and doing it by via your mobile connected devices. Yeah, it's better. Like you want to do it through one specific platform too. You don't want to just be using your email. You want something designed for this stuff because the documents are all specific. You know, like email yeah. doesn't really work for this. It doesn't work very well. It's the uh, BIM, whatever. Like yeah, you have yeah. to send BIMs. I think mm-hmm. it's building information, something yep. Yep. message. I don't know, but it's uh, it's a, it's not. You can't just use Slack. You can't just use texting. Everyone needs to be on the same platform. Exactly. All right. Last segment: highlights and lowlights. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, they're a high moat business. They certainly have the ability to raise prices at a sustainable rate. They also uh, had a very successful transition from a manual to subscription business. So they went from I think it was in 2015 or 2016, they had around two and a half billion in revenue. They slowly declined into 2018. And then as this SaaS model has taken Mm -hmm. off, they've done really, really well. And that's obviously going to lead to higher margin conversion. And they were early to SaaS, like trying to transition to that model way before it was popular. And it's been very successful for them. My low light, it feels like they're getting maybe a little loose on the leverage side. Like you said, they have those long-term notes. Obviously with the low interest rates, it might be in their best interest and people will typically say well they have such a stable business model it's mm-hmm. fine if they increase leverage but it, it's never a problem until it's a huge problem and we saw that with like starbucks and COVID. starbucks i remember saying like oh they're smart they're i mean who cares yeah. that their balance sheet is a little off their stable business well when so, when shit hits the fan for your business suddenly you owe money to a lot of people that can be a problem i don't know what catalyst would drive that for autodesk but I don't know. I, I don't mean, like. Gl- I don't like seeing too much leverage. Basically, a global depression. If no one's doing construction and engineering yeah. projects, that's really the big risk. But to note on that, the leverage um, and the bond payments are basically they have one more due. I think it's three hundred fifty million dollars due before twenty twenty five, and the rest of their debt is not due till post twenty twenty five. So, I mean, you know, they could add more, but it's not a giant concern currently. Okay. Um, what about your highlights? And highlights. Lowlights? I still had, you know, the recurring revenue stuff. They're going all cloud in 2021. They're cutting the, not, they're literally cutting the cord. Um, like yeah. they're saying, no, 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 we're not doing any of the manual stuff. If you want to switch over, fine. They may lose a little bit of revenue in the short term, but in the long run, it should be better for their business. I love the educational funnel. Um, you know, the civil engineers, the construction management majors are ingrained with the products. Asia Pacific is seeing usage above pre-COVID levels. I think Korea, Japan, um, and Taiwan, I believe, in their conference call, they mentioned that those numbers are already above pre-COVID, which is great. Shows that that you know, as the markets are just getting back to normal, they're going to yeah. get to growth and get you know bigger than they were even in 2019. Um, low lights. Only thing I had here that you didn't have was their net revenue retention number. They don't give an exact number. They give a range of 100 to 110 percent. 
I don't think that's a good sign because they're not giving out a specific number. Also, so, that's super. That's a really wide range. It's a very wide range, so I don't think it's that great. It's um, like saying revenue increased uh, somewhere between zero and ten percent. So, like, it, yeah. that does not help us. Yeah, if they give out a specific number in the future, that knows that's like an indicator to me that they're doing better over time. Um, and if it goes above one hundred ten percent, that they'll probably give out a specific number just so they can brag about it. What about this reseller business? Does that, oh, okay, down, yeah. does that go down as a low light for you? Uh, I don't think it's a bad low light. They said in the long run they want to have, I think, 30 to 35% in-house sellers, so direct on Autodesk website. So maybe they're trying to slowly transition to more direct to consumer, which in this case is direct to business. Um, B2B. Yeah, but they do use a lot of the resellers, and I don't think it's an issue in the past. Um, they said they have a big relationship with a few of them. I think one, it's called Tech Data, makes up – 35% of their revenue. Um, so they, they want to keep that relationship. They don't want to end it. I know. It just seems weird as they turn to the SaaS model to have people reselling. You know, I feel yeah. like this is something that a lot of people come to and automatically subscribe. Like you don't need the mm-hmm. middleman there. But... I would rather invest in Autodesk than tech data. I can say that for certain. Yeah. Okay. Uh, are we more or less interested in Autodesk after today? I'm definitely more interested. I think it's a quality business. Valuation's a little tough, but not crazy. Uh, so I, I haven't researched it enough to know that I would want to buy it yet, but I'm going to definitely do more research. Um, and it, it seems like a great business. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to do probably some digging into the operating expenses and see what I can find that is maybe stuck, yeah. like what's yeah. going to scale with the business, what won't, what's sort of uh, going to diminish its scale because mm-hmm. – if there's a lot in there that uh, goes away as they scale, that's going to lead to high margin conversion. It's going to be a much better business in yeah, the future. I mean, with those gross margins, if they can convert the, to the whatever cash flow margin, it could be 40% if they're good at it. But yeah. if they're hiding a lot of that cost of revenue in the operating expenses, it means that that sales multiple that they're trading at currently might not be as um, justifiable. Yeah. All right. We good? Yep. Cool. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, as always, email email us show suggestions at chitchatmoneygmail. Chitchatmoneypodcast. Chitchatmoneypodcast at gmail.com. And just tweet at us at chitchatmoney for any show suggestions or critiques. Um, we do get critiques. We had <laughs> the YouTube comments. Those are – We've been getting some hate. Yeah. And all, right. all, all YouTube comments are – ridiculous but remember we are not financial advisors anything we say on this episode is not formal advice or recommendation thank you all for listening we'll see you on our next episode